Good evening. Uh, 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 we're gonna have to recall again. I see. Everybody fell off. As I always see you there. Um, Erev Tov. You have to get your father back. He's not working in the summer. He should be back online. I'm gonna have to redo the call. I think because some people just fell out. I don't know how. Let me see what's going on here. Yeah, there are people. There's one guy. Oh, there's somebody from Israel that's supposed to be online. He was on a minute ago. I don't know what happened to him. Okay, we'll monitor the text messages. Um, here they come. <laughs> okay, that's one down. I hear you, Ezra, yes. But I'm trying to... But you're not... What? Now I hear you. Oh, that's a very good question, because I have the, I have the Skype over here. Now that you have Skype there, maybe I could. I could hook up my computer over there and give it from there. It's an idea. It's a thought. Uh, yeah, so close yet so far. <laughs> Alright, we got it. We're recording here, by the way. This is ridiculous. Let's start a shir. <laughs> okay, um, tonight's shir. One second, there's text flying in over here now. This is crazy. Okay. Tonight's shir, although he hasn't showed up yet to the shir. There's a schus Meir Michal, Rabbi Yitzchak, who I said, I told him yesterday, shares this awful fate together with my son Leibish. Um, this awful fate is Leibish was born on Chalamid Pesach. <coughs> and although there are many people that bake on Pesach, Pesach the cakes, which ultimately are shahakal, because they don't usually use flour, obviously. And our custom in our house, we don't bake cakes. Therefore, um, my life has never had a birthday cake. And so too, our birthday boy tonight never has a birthday cake on his birthday because it's Tishabov. So, Imyatshem, he will get here tonight, eventually. And when he does, and when he does, okay, now we got one online, one on phone, one on, one on Skype. Somebody's Skype account is dead, so he's going to be on the phone instead. Okay, so that means no text messages tonight. Um, hi, young man. He's been joining Ashiram lately, my grandson. Pashas Veschanon, Yud Menachem Ov. Veschanon El Hashem Ba'is Sahi Leimer. How sad. How sad of a story could this actually turn into? Forty years putting in blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, he enjoyed last week's year so much. He came back this week for this year. Why should see hecht?
Um, 40 years. Blood, sweat, and tears. To toil and to help and to, to do everything. To daven for them. They were on the verge of being wiped out, being destroyed. And Moshe Rabbeinu was there and he went up for 40 days and 40 nights and daven for them. Daven, they don't get destroyed. What was the option? The option was that Moshe Rabbeinu would have been have a nation made out of him. His children would have multiplied and that would have been the Jewish nation. <coughs> it wouldn't have been minimized. It would have been just as many people. But it would have all been for Moshe's offspring. And Moshe said no. Moshe said, the nation is the nation, we have to leave this nation, they're the Jewish children, they're God's children, they have to be left to survive. <laughs> so, Veschanan, here we are, and Moshe stands up, and he's davening for his life. Moshe stands up and says, Hashem, please, all my life, my lifelong dream is to go into Eretz Yisrael. Say hi. Say hi. Say hi, Ezra. Thank you. <laughs> now he's saying it. Okay. Yeah, okay. Does that have my kush, Ezra? No? You got my kush? He's eating hamburgers. Okay. Oh, he threw you a kiss. Okay. So Moshe stands and davens Vaschanan al Hashem, davens to God. Vaschanan is the Gematria 515. Moshe davens 515 Tfilis that God forgive him and that God allows him to go into Israel. What is the significance of the 515? One is that he begash me as davened 515 different tefillas. One is that Moshe Rabbeinu was revealing to the Jewish nation when Mashiach will come. Mm-hmm. You hear this? Yeah. Moshe Rabbeinu said, we are now standing here in the year 2400 and 48. Moshe said there are 515 Shemitahs. There will be 515 more Shemitahs in this world, and if by that time Mashiach doesn't come, the world will not exist. So all those that have calculators out, we ask you to quickly put that together for us. 515 times 7... Plus 2,448. Meshit can you give me that number quickly? Thank you. Meshit Tzvi said 6,093. The Zaya tells us that approximately 6,000 years the world can exist without Mashiach. And after that, the world returns and reverts to naught. <coughs> it says approximately 6,000. What is the actual number? The actual number is 6,093. And that we see from Vayeschanon El Hashem. Oh, it's time for a walk. Okay. Someone pick up on Moshe Tzvi, please. Moshe Tzvi on line one.
The Rebbe asks a question. Rashi explains. Rashi says two different explanations. One explanation says Rashi. You got to turn to the Khan if you want to quote Rashi, right? One explanation says Rashi. Whatever the word Eschanon means, he's requesting a free gift, free ride. Even though the tzaddikim have what to rely on. He's asking for a free ride. Don't use any of my credit. Give me what I need. Dover Achas says Rashi, another pshat. This is one of the ten word, ten expressions for the word tefillah. Now, ultimately, Rashi has a motto. The motto of Rashi is: He's going to unplug my computer. The motto of Rashi is. Mendy, can you bring some cups here, please? I come to explain simple pshat in the Pasuk. I don't want to go, I don't get philosophical, I don't go into the deep esoteric explanations. Simple explanation of the Pasuk. No, if Rashi explains the simple explanation of the Pasuk, so the question is, Uh, you just knocked out our whole system. Sorry. <laughs> so the question is... Stop! Wow. Yeah. The question is... What are the two explanations about? The Farish Pshut Shemikra. The Pashut Pshat and the Pasuk. Simple explanation. If you're going to explain only the simple explanation of the Pasuk, why do we need Dover Acher? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Ezra, let me call you right back because somebody, now the people are texting that they didn't get picked up. I'm calling you right back. One second. Yesterday's. Okay. What happened to me? We started the shear 20 minutes ago. 15 minutes ago. Pass. Who sits here? You're sitting there. Just please uh, make sure you have the plates and the knife. Mandy, pass it over. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. Beautiful. Okay, everybody's back online. Manor said he was going to try to get on. It didn't work. He must have fallen asleep. No, not this. This is not yours. This is yours. 
Okay. Thank you. So the Rebbe asks. So cut it. People know. You're going to cut it in a minute. They couldn't cut until you got here. So the Rebbe asks. What is the simple pshat of the pasuk? Is it pshat? Veschanan means matnas chinam, or is it pshat? Veschanan is one of the ten l'shenis of tefillah. So the Rebbe says, perhaps we can explain as follows. What is Meishe davening for? He's davening. He wants to be loud and tense as well. All my life, my life dream is being burst here. And he figured if he davens enough, maybe, maybe the Ebishter will let him go in. But there was already a gzeda. There was already a decree that he's not going in. So as we say in America, what are you thinking, Moshe? Well, how, do you, how dare you come about to now with such an idea, such audacity? <coughs> the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah there's an argument. If Tvila helps him Once a din was already decreed, can Tvila still help? And the Gemara says if the Gzardin was only on a single person, then on the Yochid it doesn't help. Soon. I, I can't stop anything. But if he does on a, on a public, on a Tzibur, then it can help. Then the Tefillah will help and the decree will be nullified. Make sure you take a piece for your house. Yeah. So according to this, now we understand what happened here. The two explanations of Rashi are based on justice. There are some that hold that the decree, the Gezeda against Meshe Rabbeinu, was not a Yochid, it was a Gezeda Sibur. How is it a Gezeda Sibur? Because we know Meshe who Yisrael, Yisrael hey Meshe. We know for a fact that the nation, the Jewish nation, everything was all about Moshe. And Moshe was all about the Jewish nation. And therefore, oh no, 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 what happened now? Aye. And therefore, Moshe, not, thank you, Moshe, not, Going into Eretz Yisrael was a direct effect on the entire nation. It was not just an effect on Moshe. So therefore, the Gezeda was not a single person. It was a Gezeda Rab. So therefore we could say Vayeschanan is Lashen Tefillah. Because Gzardin on the Tzibur is Mahane. If Gzardin comes on, a public, on, a, on the public... Per- what happened to him? Oh, you're there. Okay. If the Gzardin comes on the public, then Tefillah helps. Well, they don't need yeah. But are those that say that the Gzaira on Mesha was Gzaira on Yochid? 
Amen. And therefore, with Gzeira and Yochid, Tvila Mahani, Tvila is not going to help. So, what is the ultimate solution that he's asking for? He's asking for Matnas Chinam, for a gift, for a free ride. So, that is therefore the difference with the two, the two Pirushim of Rashi. That if we're going to say that the Gzeira is a Gzeira Sibur, then we're saying that it's a Lashon Tvila. If we're going to say it's Gzeira Yochid on Meishir Abeinu, then he was asking for Matnas Chinam. He was asking for a free gift. We're going to go off a moment from Pashas Veschanan. I want to delve into Kapitel Samachalaf. In our Tehillims, many Tehillims as such, before each paragraph, before each capital, it says a certain a certain hint to what this passage is talking about, what this paragraph is talking about. Samach Aleph, it says, Zeisa Tvila Amar David, this Tvila David said, Kshayi Bereach Mifnei Shol, he was running away from Shol. Bechol Machshavesav, and all his Machshavesav, his thoughts, Bakashase and his Bakashas, Hayilaharach Le'yomim, he wanted to have longevity. He wanted to live long. Why did he want to live long? Le'ibishvil Taivis Eilamazah, not because he wanted to have enjoyment of this world, he wanted to be Miss Asik in all in Yiras Hashem all his life. The Mishnah in Pikyavas tells us Ben Shishim Lizikna. When a person turns sixty, he attains seniority, old age. And this is only a denotation of the appearance of the person at that age. But alternatively, it reflects really on the intellect and the maturity of the person. Because the word zokin is two separate words. The two words zokin refers to is zekono. This person has acquired wisdom. It's the Gemara in Kedushin, the Flamid Beis on the Beis, for those who are checking up. And therefore the age of 60 is a milestone. A person who lives past 60 knows that he avoided And it's this reason that the Gemara teaches us that Yasef made a party for all his colleagues when he turned 60. And the Midi explains this is also the age a person should start thinking we're going on the second half. Person lives to 120. What do you tell a person on the 120th birthday? Have a nice day. You don't wish him a long life. This is the day. Have a nice day. But at 60, the person is going to live to 120. Once the person turns 60, he's now started his second half of his life. The Bechel and Gordon was once the, was the Gabe in 770 for many, many years by the Rebbe. And he used to daven Bariches, like Tres Tanya. Yeah. No. Saba. Yeah. 
And he's daven like according to today's Shia Tanya. He used to daven berichas until Shmanesa. After Shmanesa, from Asher, the attack on Asher went quicker. So someone has asked him, my hi, what's, what's going on? And he answered, till Shmanesa, I'm climbing the mountain. After Shmanesa, is Baragat up, it's mountain, downhill. So downhill, things go faster. Wonderful phone, there's so many things at one time. Texts and calls and people. So after 60, we're starting to to glide. We're starting to work on the way downhill. Where do we see this stone in Teda? Teda tells us actually, at, seven, at 70 years, a person is Yemeshin Eseinu, is days of fulfillment. And as we see, Ben Shivim, the Seva, says the Mishnah. And then Ben Shmeinim, Ligvura. Vim Bigvura Shmeinim Shana. So where does 60 come into the dimension? Yemeshin Eseinu, Yemei is Gematria 60. So therefore, the Yemei is when the actual Shneseinu, when is our years, when is our prime of our life, Yemei, when the person turns 60. And that's the concept of Zikna. And we look back in Kapitel Samach Aleph, and Kapitel Samach Aleph has the actual, the Pasuk, that teaches us just that. Yomim Yemei Melech Tesef. Shneisav Kmeider Vader. That the Yomim, what is Yomim, what is where days work on? A Yemei Melech Tesef. Yemei of Melech. When the person conquers the 60, when the person is the Melech over the 60, Tesef is added to, and his generations, Shneisav of the years of Der Vader, and he gets to see generation upon generation. And this is ultimately... What we look for, and what we're looking, what we're benching today, the Emeletus, and that he should ultimately come on to what, the, as the capital finishes off, and that he finishes off on a daily basis, that it goes from day to day, strength to strength, and that the person that should have Arichas Yom Vishonen, and should have Langi Gezunti Yorin, Freilich Yorin, and as the hill, as of the Chosid, Isaac Homler in the in, in Yem Yem it says when he was when he was blessed with Langa Yorin, he said, But Rebbe Nisht Yorin. Not years of a farmer, not years of a peasant. They should be fulfilled years. They should be Yemei Melech. They should be years that are filled of kingdom, of kingship, of rulership, where you rule over and you conquer over all obstacles and all problems and all tribulations and tribunals and that there should be nothing in your way and everything should go as we said and you should be able to see nachas from the children and they should all go to the chuppah be married together with their spouses and the children the nechadim and the ninim and everybody else should all come together for the 80 and for the 90th birthdays and you should have Arikha Shalom Vishanam.
So that is just the introduction to tonight's year. Now let's actually get back into tonight's year. And uh, if someone could remind me where the notes ended up. Oh, okay. The famous story of Binyamin Kletzke. Binyamin Kletzke was a chassid of the Altrebbe. And he was a businessman. Prominent businessman. There's a famous story, he was doing his calculations of the business, he was doing, he was adding everything up, and he said, okay, I add up this bill and that bill, and then all my income is in for the month, and the sachakal is ein eid milvadei. Sachakal I come up with is no other one except for God. Someone was standing next to him, <coughs> and as we have today many times, many, very often, we have people that don't like Blitis. I don't like when people are eccentric. Don't get carried away. You came just in time. You got a piece of cake. It's good cake. My mother called me today. Huh? Yeah, mommy called me. She said I'm Tell us Skype is backwards. Picture is backwards, not it's a mirror image. That way, your father. He's your father. I love you. So the fellow started to berate Rabbi Yomin and he says, You're always sitting in Atsilas, you're always sitting in the middle of a. You're flying high over here. Chemushka has a piece of birthday uh, cake. Huh? So Rabbi Yomin Kvetzka said, You're so strange, he says to him. You're complaining that in the middle of business I started thinking about chassidus. How many times in the middle of Shemineser did you start thinking about business? That doesn't matter. In the middle of Shemineser you could talk about the, what was on in Leipzig, in the market, and everything else. You can think of whatever you want. The famous story of two people that came from Dintera. An interesting Dintera, actually. It was Reuben and Shimon. And Reuben said, I lent Shimon money. I don't remember if he paid me back. And Shimon said, I borrowed money from Reuben. I don't remember if I paid him back. And it is Hunter didn't pay that. It's almost Pachaja to, to when, when Alexander the Great came to Africa. Alexander the Great came to Africa. And we told the story a few weeks ago, actually. And he um, wanted to see the justice system. He came to the justice system. And uh, the king was sitting and ruling a case. And what was the case? Ruvain. <laughs> Ruvain sold Shimon a tree. And it was in his field. It's fine. Shimon bought the tree. And Shimon came to uproot the tree to take it back to his field. He uprooted the tree. And there was a treasure chest. Treasure chest underneath the tree. So now, Ruben said, 
I sold him the tree and everything that goes with it. The roots go under the ground, so whatever's under the ground is his too. So the treasure chest belongs to him. Shimon said, Shalom, I bought only a tree, I didn't buy any ground, I didn't buy any land. I'm taking the tree to my land, I'm not leaving it in his land. So anything that's in the ground belongs to him. This is obviously a story, this wouldn't happen in real life. <laughs> ah, so the king of Africa said, you want birthday king? So the king of Africa said, you know what? Reuben, you have a son? He says, yeah. Shimon, you have a daughter? He says, yeah. He says, Mazel tov. Let your son and your daughters get married, and we'll give them the treasure chest. And they'll stay in the family. They'll stay in both families. You both have it. When Alexander the Great heard this, he says, Yemeshiga. In my country, I would hear such a thing I'd cut both the heads off and take the treasure chest. Honkin Kunsen. Shigas over here. So Reuben and Shimon were standing on a dintera, and Reuben says, I borrowed money from Shimon, and Shimon says, I lent him money, I don't remember if I paid back, I don't remember if he paid back. So the Rav looks at his watch, and he says, it's Mincha time. Let's daven Mincha. We'll daven Mincha, and after Mincha we'll discuss it. They went, they daven Mincha, Kavon, and everything we said after Zayin, and they return in front of the Rav, and as soon as they walk into the room, Reuben says, I remember, he didn't pay me back. I didn't pay back. And Shimon says, I remember, he didn't pay me back. Fine. So they took out the money and they paid back. So they turned to the Rav and they said, ah, what, uh, what kind of mafsim are you making? What kind of miracles are you performing here? All of a sudden you make miracles? This is not a miracle. Says, but how did I all of a sudden remember and he all of a sudden remembered? He says, in the middle of Shemnesi, you think about everything but Shemnesi. <laughs> so I knew you would think about this too. So Binyam and Kleska said, you meet the Shemnesi makes the Trachemek in Leipzig, and I can't, middle of business, talk about Enid Mavadi. You could think about the business, I can't think about godliness. He couldn't understand that. Now, to Rebbe starts, Shariqid Ramunah, the person has to know today, we say this every day in davening, three times a day, the concept, and we have to take it to heart, how the Abish is the only one above and below. The Rebbe Rashab, was not a very healthy man more often than not. And there was one time that he felt very, very ill, and the doctor examined him, and the doctor said as follows, The heart wants more than the mind can offer, and the mind understands more than the heart can hold out. Via daita. This is the concept of Yedaita. And the famous Maimah, Yedaita Moskova, from Friedrich Rebbe, <coughs> also which delves into just these concepts, that a person has to have the knowledge and the complete knowledge. And actually, there's a beautiful Sichan Yedaita, which I don't think I'm going to go into because it's very involved and very, very long. Um, I'll leave it for now. We'll see how the evening goes, because there's so much more to talk about.
you going to get his brother's head so he can start forming a minion? Trying to. Okay. There's a six, Mendel seven, right? Parsha Veschanon always comes out Shabbos after Tishabav, which is ultimately known as Shabbos Nachamu. And interestingly enough, it's known as Shabbos Nachamu because that's the name of the Aftera. Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami. There was a famous joker, I guess what they called him in the olden days. His name was There was Matki Chabad and Heshla Strapolya. Heshla Strapolya was Yenachavimun. And he had many, many different stories of things that he used to do that he used to. There was one time Heshla pulled off a very interesting shtick. He walked, he went by a house, and he saw the woman alone in the house. Furniture looked very, very costly. And he knocks on the door and he tells the woman, I have regards from your parents. And the woman looks at him and says, My parents? So Zangitabetas, my parents are in Ganadin. How would you have regards from my parents? I know they're in Ganadin. He says, you know they're in Ghanaian? He says, yes. He says, who are you? <coughs> I'm Shabbos Nachmu. Now, before I go further, I want to just tell you a little introduction to what was known as ignoramus. In the olden days, and unfortunately I think we're reverting back to that today, people had certain things that the Bobat Gizakht and one of them was a Shabbos Nachmu. What it meant, they didn't know. They knew there was a thing called Shabbos Nachmu. They knew there was Shabbos Chazayim. They knew it was Chazak. They knew there was a Shredish Bench. They didn't put everything together. They didn't know exactly what all these things meant. They were phrases. Matter of fact, I think I said once the story of in Russia, there's a big problem. People can't prove they're Jewish. And when a person can't prove they're Jewish, the Rabbanim won't, won't do a chuppah. And that becomes very problematic for some people, Nebuch, because they want to get married, but if they can't prove their Judaism, they're not going to marry them. So there's one girl who wanted to get married, and she had a chosen and everything else, and she came to the Vada Rabbanim over there, and she could not bring proper paperwork. She didn't have proper paperwork. Don't get lost, make a million for my... Kids there, they finally told her, after a few weeks of investigation, the candidate tells my kind, "Can't help you. You can't prove your Judaism properly. We're not going to marry you." She was quite frustrated, infuriated. As she walked out the door, she got to the door, and the rabbanim was still sitting in their seats. And she turned around to the bottom and with this venomous look and voice, she screamed at them, "Kishen tuchus." 
So the Rabbanon's eyes almost popped out of their heads. Till here we just determined this woman is a shiksa, and she's saying kish and tuchas. Now you have to understand today, it's not it's not agifrek. Today you have the UPS guy, the Schwarze, or the Mexicans that know more Yiddish than have to the, the, the you know. And we had the Schwarze, the UPS guy that that not only spoke fluent Yiddish, you couldn't fool him. You couldn't tell him a Hanukkah. Okay, today we're going to be eating matzah. He turned around and says mach mishmishige. Matzah Esmen Pesach, he said. But he didn't have, it was on the cuff, on the fly. He had everything down pat. So here all of a sudden, she says, Kishan Tuchas, this is not a common language in Russia. They said, this is that. Come here. Sit down, my kids. Sit, uh, what are you saying here? What is this supposed to mean? And she says, my mother. My mother used to always tell it to my father whenever she got angry at him. And she heard that from her mother. So they pretty much had to base their Yiddishkeit on Kish and Tachas. So you have to understand where some people get these, these, these fundamentals. Because when Heshla's boy tell the lady, he's Shabbos Nachmu, she thought Shabbos Nachmu is some kind of Malach or something. And he has regards from her parents in Gan Eden. Fine. No. How are they? And he says, uh, not so good. She says, not so good. They stand all day. They stand all day. Yeah, against the wall. Why do they stand all day against the wall? Because they have no clothing. And they have no chairs. So Nabuch, uh, they have no choice. She says, what are you talking She started to cry and to plug and plug Nabuch about her parents. And she says to him, uh, can you help me with this? He says, what do you mean help you? Can you uh, bring something for them? <coughs> Sorry. She says, um, he says, yeah, what do you want to send? So he says, she says, whatever you want to take. Okay. He says, fine, prepare she says, you take clothing? He says, I'll take clothing. You'll take uh, furniture? I'll take furniture. She says, okay, she starts piling things up. He says, I can't carry all this. She says, I'll give you a wagon. She runs out and she spams the wagon. She, she puts the hooks up the horse in the wagon. And she starts to load the entire house. And then he says, by the way, your shvan and shvigar don't look much better. Your father-in-law and mother-in-law are in the same condition. I'll give you most of And she piles up the wagon as if it's daft There's no room on the wagon anymore. <coughs> she connects the horse. And Shabbos Nachmu is going to send regards and bring the gifts to her parents and her in laws. Kids, he drives off. The husband comes home and finds the house very, very big. It's a very big house all of a sudden. This is, uh, where's the furniture? What's going on? So she tells him, Shabbos Nachmu was here and he's taking, he took everything to my parents and your parents. Shabbos Nachmu is a Shabbos or a Mafti Nachmu. Were you crazy? What direction did he go? So she points. He jumps on his horse and he knew at least Shabbos Nachmu is a Shabbos uh, Nachmu. And he starts to chase. And he's chasing and chasing. 
And a few miles down the road, he finds and sees a guy standing by a tremendous big tree. And he's wearing his birthday suit, since it's my birthdays. And he's holding the tree. And he says to him, Did you see a guy go by with a full wagon? He says, Sure. So what direction? He says, In that direction, but you'll never catch him. So what do you mean, never catch him? He says, That guy's an expert horse driver, apparently. He's moving. You're never going to catch him. But he ran on my whole chush, man. Everything I own, he took. He said, listen to me. I'm an expert horse rider. You want, give me a horse, I'll chase him, I'll catch him for you. Zakhtar, fine. He said, but there's a problem. So what's the problem? Did you ever learn Mishnayas? He says, a little bit. There's a mission that says, Ashleish, is what am I doing? On three things the world stands. He says, yeah. These are one of the beams that the world's standing on. My job is to hold the beam. This is a holder for you. He says, but you have to understand. Because my job is to hold the beam, I don't have to wear clothing. Because I'm always up against the tree. So I have no clothing. I can't just go out like this. He says, I'll give you my clothing. And he gave him his clothing and he gave him his horse and Shabbos Nachmu took the last horse with the guy's clothing off his back. And this guy is still holding up the world, and she's still waiting for Shabbos Nachmu to give regards to her parents again. So that's the story of Shabbos Nachmu. Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, Ami, Yemara, Lekechem. That the Abish is giving a double Nechama, and the Rebbe speaks many, many Sikhs on the double Lashon of Nachmu, not just a single. And this is something that we look forward to, and that we anticipate the great Nechama, the ultimate Nechama of the time of the Gula Asida. And this Shabbos, we will talk and anticipate having just that. Returning a little bit back to the parsha, in this week's parsha of Eschanon, we have again the Aseret Sadibris, the repetition of the Aseret Sadibris, and Rashi does something again out of character. Rashi says, I already explained the Ten Commandments. First of all, bear in mind, Rashi is talking to the Ben Chomish the Mikra, again in the mission that we referred to before, Ben Shishim the Zikna. Starts off Ben Chomish the Mikra. Oh my gosh, may should see. Your mother should see you now. What's Bechomish the Mikra? Are you getting the three people? I want to go sleep. You got a big day tomorrow. What is this Bechomish the Mikra? We look at the Bechomish the Mikra, the five year old sitting in Cheder learning Aleph Beis, learning the beginning of Chumash, and we say, yeah, Tatala, we'll give you a Tukala, we'll give you something nice, we'll give you something. Our Bechomish the Mikra that the Mishnah is referring to. And that Rashi speaks to was way beyond that. So much so that the Rebbe speaks many Rashi Sikhs, as we would call them, many Sikhs and Rashis, where the Benchomish, the Mikra, would be confused. And the reason that Rashi is bringing this explanation is because the Benchomish, the Mikra, remembers from another part of the Torah where Rashi explained, or the Pasuk said, such and such, 
And, and the Bechamish Shemikah would be confused, so therefore Rashi is explaining it over here to tell him how to learn this. So what does the Bechamish Shemikah need to hear from Rashi? I already explained this before. I know you explained it. I learned it in Shemais. I learned it in Pashas Yisrael. There's another famous story of in the olden days the anti-Semites used to uh, have the most Meshuga ideas, there's no other better word for it. There's no language has the word Meshuga better than Meshuga. Meshuga are different ideas of how to get rid of, how to destroy the Jews. So Ravekish told a Galach, a Galach came to town. A Galach came to town. And the Galach said that I'm challenging any Jew. Challenging a Jew to the Chachma. If any Jew can stand up to me, and not in, in Ketal, Ketal, whatever it's called, Yemach Shalom, in Teda, I'm willing, who unplugged the internet? If any Jew, I'm willing to challenge any Jew in Teda, if there's any Jew that can stand up against me and debate with me in Teda, then we'll see who wins. If the Jew wins, you Jews stay in town. If the Jew loses, all Jews have to leave the town. Now, the Galach was quite infamous. And he was also famous for his knowledge in Teda. Sorry about that one. The Galach was very, very well-learned fellow. So the Yidin were sitting, they were scared. They had it all, they had this, but to go against the bait, this Galach, was quite a scary thought. Finally, Moshe, the cobbler, said, I'll take care of this. Moshe, the cobbler? What are you, Alamid Vavnik? You're from the 36 hidden Zadikim. All of a sudden, you're going to come and challenge this brilliant Galach and Teda. You barely read Chumash and Ashi. You barely can read Tilim. <coughs> he says, don't worry. And Moshe the Kabbalah gets up, and the big debate is about to begin. And the Galach says, I'll be courteous. You ask the first question. Moshe the Kabbalah says, good. He says, translate, please, tell me what does it mean. What does Eini Yedea mean? <laughs> the Galak smirks and says, that's a question. Eini Yedea, I don't know. Immediately everybody heard the Galak say, I don't know. They grabbed him, they drove him out of town, and they killed him. Not me afraid by Moshe the Chacham, the Kabbler. Where did you get such a brilliant idea to do that? He says, what do you mean? How did you know to ask him such a question to get him to trick him and play on words? He says, what do you mean play on words? You asked him a question that means I don't know and that's how he... He says, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, why did you ask him that question? He says, I am a simple Jew. I learned Chumash and Rashi and I have what's called the Beis Yehuda Chumash. Beis Yehuda Chumash has Ivritaych. I have Beis Yehuda Chumash over here. I'll show you. It has Ivritaych on the bottom of the Chumash, and the base Yehuda teaches in Yiddish the Rashis. And that's how I learn. I don't know the Pshat. I have to learn the Taich. 
No. So what? No. I came to a Rashi, and Rashi wrote the words, Ain't the Yudea. So I looked in the Beis Yehuda, who's my guide and, and teacher and mentor, and he says everything that I have to know. And I looked, what does Beis Yehuda say? And Beis Yehuda says, Ech as the Beis Yehuda Veislish, the Galach Veislish. If the Beis Yehuda didn't know the answer to this, the Galach definitely didn't know. So therefore, I asked him this question. I knew he wouldn't know it because my Beis Yehuda, my my teacher, didn't know. Where are we holding? We're holding back to six. We're holding eight. We have eight people here. Are you done, Michel? No, he didn't done. I didn't done. He didn't done. You don't have to make any Yeah, we're eight people. Old fish. Old fish. Is it Italian and Isaac coming? No? So we need two more. Nice. Mandy's not coming out this time. Tell them to look out the window. You got two people. You got ten minutes to do it. Two more people. We got ten minutes to do it. Five minutes. Might have been five minutes. Just look out the window, man. So therefore, when Rashi comes up and says, Kvar Pirashti, I already explained this, within that itself it has an explanation. It's telling us that the Aseras Adibris are not self-explanatory. The Aseras Adibris, although they're being repeated over here, and although Shomer is different than Zacher in Shemais, and Shama Rashi therefore goes to the length of explaining Shama Vizakhab Adibur Echad that they were said at one time and they were heard Ishmiyanu Kelam Yuchad and they were heard as one word, which the Mechamash Mikra obviously does not understand what that means. <coughs> and anybody here that does, don't even try to explain it to me because I know you're lying and or that or you're smoking something that I'd love to get all up. Um they even just said, uh, they even just said, I understand. Hishmiyonu? That the Yidin were able to hear Shama and Zachar at one shot? It's, it's, you know, it says it. Tata said, that to have happened. I just can't grasp it because my feeble mind doesn't have that. So therefore, Kvark Pirashti has an explanation within its own. It's already explained and it's already something that the grounds has been set for it. And therefore, Zostvisen Aseres Hadibris has to be learned in its entirety. It can't be played with. And that's why we say that when we say that Aseres Hadibris, I said this last time also. <laughs> that when we say that Aseres Hadibris is very important and the Bakhir is leaning it, that we look inside the Chumash. Because when Aseres Hadibris says, Leisirtzach, we have a tendency when we're not looking inside to say, oh, it must be with a vav. Him I'll kill, him No. So therefore we look inside and we see layers with an aleph. And we learn that layers with an aleph. This expansion we also have Basically, it's overshadowed with the Nachmu and the Veschanon, almost overshadowed with the Saras Adibris. 
we have the first parsh of Krishna. Shema Yisrael. We spoke on Shema Yisrael, parsh is Masai, that the Pasuk Shema Yisrael and the parsh of Yahafta are the basis of Kabbalah Seil. The Pasha of Yahafta has 42 words. And within the Pasha of Yahafta says, Vidibarta Bom, which is the year of 42. And we have to read Shema by day and by night. Whether the predicament is day, it's clear like day, and everything is beautiful, or whether the predicament is night and it's low and it's dark as it gets. Still, the person has the obligation, says the Rebbe, to read Krishna. Also, with the Bartabom, the Tater the Altarebbe beforehand, the Altarebbe explained when he was learning with Avram the Malach, he explained when we start to say the Shema in the evening and Rabbi Avram explained to him that yes, the deeper meaning of this is from fear from fear that's how we can ultimately say the Shema huh? And Zush Anapoli also had the Shmokha Nikolsberg the same on the same basis. We also asked him, How do you know this what it means? It maybe it means from fear. We also see Vidibarta Bom Bom is Bez Mem Bereshis and Meemasai. The entire Teda Balpeh and Teda Shabiksav are incorporated in the Vidibarta Bom. We have both the beginning, which is Bereshis, and the Mem of Meemesai. Basak Shema Yisrael actually we find, interestingly, in Musaf. In Chazar Sashatz, in Keser, we have the Basak Shema Yisrael. What are the Basak doing there? There was a Persian king, his name was Yuzgader. And he's gathered, put a gzeir on the Yidden, they can't say Shema. A decree. They put a decree not to say Shema. So what they did was they incorporated it into Kedusha. Kedusha Shachas, Kedusha Musaf. And this way they weren't saying Shema, they weren't saying the Pasha of Shema, but they were saying the Pasha of Shema Yisrael. So he didn't catch them on this. Ultimately, um, there was a Tana, Rav Ashi, and Rav Ashi was misspelled to be Mvatal Dekzeda. And how was Dekzeda nullified? A crocodile came out, and came into the palace of the king, and he swallowed him in one shot, in the middle of the day, in the middle of broad daylight. So at that point, the Xeda was nullified, so the Yidin can say Shema again. So now the Yidin can say Shema, they can say Krishna again. So they took it out of the Nagdisha, they took it out of Kedusha Shachris, because you're already saying in Kedusha Shachris, in Shachris, you're already saying Krishna. 
But since in Musaf there's no Krishna, so they left it in Musaf. On Rishchedish, since there are less people in Shul, it's not such a big thing, so therefore it's not noticeable. The miracle is not... The reason that it's left inside just to remind us of the miracle that happened. The word Shema itself is an acronym in Ashtavis, Su'u Marim Eichem. And this is therefore based on the entire Malchus Shemaim. The Pascal tells us in this expression of Atem at Vekim Hashem Alekechem. The Atem, the word Atem is atheist Emes. And it's extremely important. The basis of Teda is based on the concept of Emes. That until this Emes, until this truth, as long as there's no truth, a person cannot stand the words of Tera. Uh, where are we holding minion wise? Oh, uh, we have a Chiev on its way. So, at this point, we're just going to wish that in Mir Hashem, this Shabbos, we should have the Nachmu Nachmu, the double Mechamah Veibishter. And then the Hamish Takabi that we should all be in your slime in